Amen. Praise the Lord. He is risen. It's good to see everybody here on this Easter morning as we celebrate our risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that today that you will be filled with hope and joy. I hope that's what we, we have today. We come away with today that we are filled with hope and joy. It's Easter. It's Easter. This is the day that our Lord has risen from the dead. And no matter what background we come from, no matter what our beliefs are, I pray that we would find joy because new life is springing forth today, right? New life has come today. And today we can experience that new life. Well, as intro, my name is Nick, and I'm the pastor here at FBC, and so I just wanted to take a few moments to share about the joy and the hope that is being offered to us right now. Joy and hope that is being offered right now. And you may be feeling, hey, I'm actually feeling pretty good. You know, I don't have any worries. I'm taking each day as it comes. But I think as we, what we find is even those of us who have the, the rosiest of lives, the, the easiest of lives that we still struggle, right? Do we still struggle a little bit? No relationship is perfect, except for mine and my wife's, right? And mine and my children, right? No relationship is perfect. Yes, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law over there, it's absolutely perfect. Absolutely. I've got to tell you, just a side note, I worked with my mother-in-law at the same company for like 15 years, it was great. It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> oh, goodness. But no relationship is perfect. No job is perfect. No day is absolutely perfect. So first, as we start, I want to start out by drawing our attention to a problem that we may be facing. I'm calling it discouragement. I wanted to put up their despair, but then I thought, oh, that would just drive everybody away. But discouragement, I think that each and every one of us has times where we feel discouraged, maybe within this, this last week or this last couple of days, you've maybe felt this way. And you may be thinking, well, I don't know, I'm not, I don't feel that bad. I'm talking about discouragement or despair, I don't feel that bad. Well, let me ask you this, have you, have you actually gone to the, the gas station in the last month, <laughs> right? You, you stand at the pump and and you feel a little discouraged. Now it's great, we see those prices coming down a little bit, but if you've been there in this last month, you probably stood there a little discouraged and asking questions like, I can do this once, I don't know if I can do this again this, this next week, oh my goodness, or standing in the grocery aisle and it's like, yo, I'm having to choose now. I'm having to choose. I used to be able to buy all of these things, I'm having to choose now what my family actually needs. And there, there's a lot of discouragement, even despair. There's despair all around us. I mean, we're sitting in, a, in a, an interesting time. We haven't experienced a time like this in about 80 years, if we're talking about the, the war that's going on in, in Europe. I mean, when's the last time we had a major offensive like that happening? Uh, that was a long time ago. And so we may be asking ourselves questions, and we may, we may be facing those kind of issues right now. And so I think discouragement is, is one of the words of the day. Not today necessarily, but one of the words of our day, this day and age that we, we live in. And it may come in, in big ways. It may come in small ways. You may experience large problems. You may experience small problems. But I think we're human. This, this is life. This is life. 
This is how life goes. So is there any hope? Is there any hope? Maybe you find yourself getting a little frustrated at something. I've seen people who are frustrated, right? You see them all over the internet, people who are frustrated, and, and we end up kind of spouting off and saying things that we shouldn't say and, and, uh, and, and saying too much, and then we see maybe some relationships broken through that. Some people shy away, kind of leave our circle because they don't want to be a part of that, and, and then we may find ourselves with the weight of isolation, a weight of isolation, uh, because of kind of where we've, we've gotten to in our life. And maybe you're the one who's not been doing like the, what I'll call the raging, but you've been on the other side of it and say, you know what, people are just hurting me. I'm, I'm hurting people. There have been people who have hurt me and they don't understand and, and they've, they've taken swipes and jabs at my, at my life and I just don't understand and I'm feeling the weight of that. I'm feeling the weight of those, those problems that have been caused for me. It feels like life is kind of out of control, and so we may be asking questions, what's going on? The thing about discouragement, and then if it leads to despair, is it starts to chip away at our lives, right? Do you ever feel that? It starts to kind of chip away at, at who we are and the life that we want to experience. It may even feel like a little bit of death is coming in, is entering into our lives. It may not be a physical death, but, you know, broken relationships, it feels like death. Something goes wrong at work and puts you in a very bad spot. It feels a little bit like something is, is dying inside of you. Life is being chipped away sometimes. That's what it feels like. And certainly Jesus' friends, they were sitting in a position of despair. I think we just, we just had our Good Friday service uh, a couple days ago when we, we remembered Jesus on the cross his figure on the cross dying for us and what that meant for us. And, and in that first century, his followers, they're not sitting on the side where we're sitting right now, where we're looking back and we know the joy that is going to spring forth uh, in a couple days. They're sitting in a position where they don't know what's going on. Their, their friend has, has died. Their, their friend has been taken from them. The, the promised Messiah has been taken from them. What in the world is going to happen to us? They're sitting up in that upper room. They're scared. If they could come for Jesus, they may have been taking names around that circle in the garden, and are they coming for us now as well? And so they're sitting in despair on Saturday. Saturday is a day after the cross. Saturday is a day of uncertainty. I don't know if you feel the weight of that. I was thinking about that yesterday. Saturday is a day of uncertainty. It is, it, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It felt finished. Not in the way that Jesus meant. His disciples were experiencing it. His followers were experiencing it in a different way. It was, it was a, there was so much uncertainty. To quote the movie, The Princess Bride, they literally found themselves in the pit of despair. <laughs> mm, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe, maybe, just, maybe it's safer to say, that, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not been there, but I know someone who has. If we're all honest, I think we've, we've had that experience or we've seen that experience. Are we encouraged yet? <laughs> Happy Easter. Are we encouraged yet? Well, I have some good news for us today. I have some good news, some great news. The best news 
possible, that just as things seem that they're, 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 their death is, is coming in, that our life is being, being kind of stripped away or chipped away uh, for us, just as that is happening, death is not the final answer. Death does not have the final say because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And a life is springing forth today, a life that we can actually embrace Resurrection life that we can actually embrace is sitting here right in front of us. And I want to tell us, I want to go through a little story today that shows, shows us the truth about the life that is made available for us today. How many people here or who are watching have, have been to a, a funeral? I think most of us here have, have attended some sort of funeral, right? I've been to a number of funerals as a pastor, I've also gone to each of my grandparents' funerals and was able to speak at those. Uh, maybe you've been to funerals of loved ones who are closer than that. Uh, many people have been to funerals recently, within the last couple of years, unexpectedly. And they're asking these questions that we may be asking today. This is, this, a funeral is a time. It is a time for pain. It's a time for weeping and grieving because someone has, has, something has happened. Someone's been taken from us. We don't get to enjoy their presence anymore. And funerals feel final. Funerals show us the reality of life and death right here as we are on this earth. And Jesus, we're going to see Jesus. Jesus is going to go to a funeral. Jesus is going to attend a funeral. But he, when he goes to the funeral, he's going to show us a different picture of what it means to have life and what it means for, for death. So if you have a Bible in front of you or your phone to, to look up the scriptures or your tablets, uh, if you're sitting here with us this morning, there are Bibles in the seat pockets in front of you. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. And if there are folks here who are not familiar uh, with the scriptures, Luke is a gospel book. It describes the life of Jesus. It's one of four of these gospel books in the Bible. Uh, it's found, the book of Luke is found towards the beginning of what we call the New Testament. And what's interesting is, what I like about Luke is, Luke was not originally in, was, he was not originally considered one of God's people. All right, Luke was an outsider, but Luke heard the good news of Jesus Christ. He heard testimony. He saw evidence of what Jesus had done, and he was invited in. He accepted, he accepted the invitation into God's family, and Luke accepted Jesus as his Savior. And then Luke decided to write an account of Jesus' life based on evidence he collected and interviews that he had personally conducted. All right, I like Luke. Luke gives us the evidence Luke, Luke talks to people. Luke goes and meets with people and writes a, a story of Jesus' life like a detective, piecing together this true narrative of what happened when this man, Jesus, steps onto life's stage. And so Luke records in chapter 7 a very interesting story about Jesus popping into a funeral procession and actually bringing new life to that situation. So let's, we're going to read this text. Before we do that, I just want to ask, Lord, that you, would, that you would bring clarity from your word, that you would touch each and every heart here today as we look at your word, uh, Lord, that uh, we would see who you are, we would recognize who you are, and then in the process, who we are, 
and we would recognize how much we need you as Savior. It doesn't matter if we've, we're just coming to you or we've been here in a relationship with you for a long time. We, we know we need a fresh look at who you are as our Savior and what you've actually given to us today. So we come in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke says this in these couple of verses. Luke 7, uh, verse 11 through 17. He says this. After he was on his way to a town called Nain, this is Jesus. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. That was common for Jesus at the time. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and, he was, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearers stopped. And he said, Young man, I tell you to get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. Here we have Jesus on his teaching tour. All right, Jesus is on his teaching tour, and he's going around to all these towns, all these villages, and he's teaching, he's doing some miracles, and he's making his way to this, this town called Nain, and he comes to a funeral. And what's interesting is for such a short passage of Scripture, Luke goes into a lot of details surrounding the, the heaviness, the heaviness of this particular funeral. Okay, this, this is a particular event. Luke, notice that Luke says that a dead man was being carried out and this was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. That meant a lot during that day and age. With the passing of her only son, this may have been the end of the woman's story as well. She's not physically walking to death, but she has lost everything. She has lost everything. She's lost her husband, now she's lost her, her son, and so she has lost everything. In those days, the, the men were considered the providers of the family. The men held all the property. The bank accounts were for the men. The property was for the men. Her, her husband would have had property, and when he passed away, the, the oldest son would have inherited that property. So the oldest son would have had that property and would have been taking care of his mom. And then now the son has died, and what happens to that? The property may have actually been ushered away from this woman to someone else in the family who may or may not take care of her, may or may not choose to take care of this woman. And so this, this woman has more than likely lost a lot, her livelihood, her position, maybe some of her property. And so she's lost her husband, her son, and uh, her well-being as well, the estate that she lives in. We don't know her age. It doesn't tell us her age. So she may have been, she may have been young enough to try to remarry and, and resettle and, and have a stable life. She may have been uh, too old to actually uh, be a, uh, an attractive spouse to come in you know, for a man and, and, and come in and, and uh, join a new family. We don't no, but the way that Luke calls out these two particular details, that her husband has died and now her son has died, means something very important about the life and the situation about this woman, with this woman. It means something very important about her situation and then how she's going to get along in life. And here we see, here we get a glimpse of Jesus and who he really is, who he really is. It says 
in this, uh, this account that Luke says that there's a large crowd that was following this funeral procession. And maybe this is because the whole town realizes the gravity of the situation, the gravity of what this woman is going through. And so the whole town has come out to, to walk through this funeral procession with her. They're there, right there, uh, uh, in her moment of need. The weight of the world is on her shoulders, and they've joined to help her. Uh, they've joined to help with her in the grieving process. But the thing about crowds, though, the thing about crowds is this. They tend to come in, and then what happens? They tend to disperse, right? I don't know. Have you ever been in a position where you needed help and sort of people gathered around you, but then as time goes on, what happens? The help, the compassion slowly fades away. And at the beginning of this funeral, I'm sure those casserole dishes were flowing in pretty freely to this woman. But then what happens? Over time, those letters and the meals, they start to kind of disappear. And this is just the nature of humanity, right? This is the nature of humanity. Because what? We all have our own lives. We all have our own problems. We all have our own situations that we're, we're facing And so we see the crowds come in, but the crowds won't stay. More than likely, the crowds won't stay. Maybe you've been in a position like this, or maybe you've known someone who's who's experienced something like that. The, The crowds, this text says, the crowds were walking with this woman in her grief at the point of her boy was he was going to be buried, and then her crowd, the crowds would go back to their own homes and go back to their own lives and and what was going to happen to this woman. But for this woman, Jesus won't let death be the final answer. Jesus says death is not going to be the final answer. In verse 13, verse 13, this is who Jesus is. It says that Jesus has compassion on this woman. He sees this woman and he has compassion on this woman. We have to stop there for a second and just sit on that word compassion because that word compassion sums up who Jesus is pretty well, right? Jesus is all about compassion. Jesus sees this woman, has compassion for her. Jesus has seen us and has compassion for us as well. Jesus being the son of God came down to earth because of his compassion for the creation. God didn't have to do this. God did not have to do Good Friday and Easter. God did not have to do that. But because of his compassion, he's not letting us muddle around on our own, right? He's not letting us just, just walk around on our own. He could have said, hey, yeah, I'm going to give up on you. And let you do your thing and you're going to live and you're going to die and that's going to be the end of it. But God didn't say that. God had compassion for his creation. And Jesus comes in and says that death doesn't have to be the end. You don't just have to muddle around. You can regain the purpose and the the plan that God originally had for you as his creation. To be his people, to be called into his family, to be stewards of his creation, to be be life-giving people as he created us to be, to live in his presence forever. And because Jesus knows this, because Jesus knows this, he walks up to this woman and he tells her, don't weep. Don't weep. Now, okay, so you're at a funeral 
and there is a grieving mother at the funeral, and someone walks up to you. They weren't invited to this funeral, and they walk up to you and says, don't weep. What? Jesus, what? This is a time for weeping. This is, this is the most appropriate thing to do. Our, our son is gone. I'm on my own now. Jesus, what do you mean? How, how cruel is that statement? How cruel does that statement sound if you actually think about it? What, what is this woman going through? The loss of her son. She's lost her husband. She's lost her son. And someone walks up to her, some stranger walks up to her, stop crying. What would you do in that moment? Jesus, Jesus, that's really the, the socially awkward thing to say. What, what were you thinking telling that, that woman not to, not to cry in this moment? Have you ever been in a place where you've said something stupid, right? Have you ever done that to anybody here? We won't ask for hands. I'll raise my hand. Been in a place where we've done something stupid? I remember a couple of years ago, we were with family, and a family member was passing away. It was, it was the time, and God was taking them. And, and family had come in for this to, to say their goodbyes. And so we're all there in this weekend and family member passes away and then we're spending the weekend together. And being the pastor, I have to pray at like every single meal. That's just the way it is. Pastor Mac, do you relate to that? Others, you know, have to pray at every single meal. And so I'm like, oh, we're in the midst of grieving and, and crying. And we're also laughing and we're remembering and all of that's mixed in. And so I start off and Lord, you know, thank you for this meal. And uh, thank you for this fun weekend that you've gathered us together. This fun weekend. <laughs> Fun weekend. We're as family. We're we're weeping and we're oh my word. Don't ask me to pray. <laughs> even 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 pastors get muddled in this. Say dumb things. And Jesus says, "Don't weep." And what in the world are you saying? This is a time for weeping and grieving. But Jesus isn't haphazard in his words. Jesus doesn't slip up in his words like we may slip up in our words. Jesus knows exactly, Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly what's going to happen for this woman. And he can step up to her and say, Mother, don't weep. And then Jesus did something that made even the most steady pallbearer drop the casket. Goes right up to it and touches the body. That's a no-no. We, we, don't, we don't feel the weight of that in our culture, in our time, you know, right? We, we, we have open casket services, and, and we say goodbye to the loved ones and, and maybe lay our hands on them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the Jewish people, they were not supposed to touch anything that was dead. This, this means something, that you're going to have to go and, and do ritual cleansing and, and spend some time and Jesus goes right up to that boy and lays his hand right on that boy and I can imagine well the pallbearers it says the scripture says they stopped I, I think Luke's giving them some grace there I don't know what stopped looked like for them it's like oh, put this thing down step away we can't touch this man now he's touched the body what's going on here I don't we don't get all of those those juicy little details I can imagine his disciples he's got all his disciples around him the gasps from his students, from his disciples. Jesus, crazy stuff. What are, what are you doing here? We're on this tour. You're teaching, you're preaching, you're doing all of these wonderful things. Here you go and you stop and you touch this, this unclean body. You've just set us back a week. 
Because now you got to go into isolation. We've all been in isolation, right? It's at one time or another over the last two years, probably each and every one of us has been through some sort of isolation. Jesus, you got to go to isolation. And now you got to take a bath and you got to do it a number of times. And you got to offer a, something at the temple. And all these things that Jesus, you, you may have to do now because you chose to do something that was not culturally appropriate. Jesus, what are you, what are you thinking? We had, we had plans here. That often goes through our mind, right? We had plans here, and then Jesus, you did something that's totally unexpected and maybe something that's even uncomfortable, and how do we deal with this now? But Jesus isn't scared of death, and he speaks to this man. Young man, I tell you, get up. And here's where we see Jesus' words have life. What, what do you do in this moment? If you're sitting at this funeral, you're in this procession, what do you, what do, you do at this moment? Some uninvited guest. I mean, Jesus is just passing through, right? This is, this is not his hometown. It's not necessarily his people, you know, as far as his, his community. Uh, he's just passing through. Some uninvited guests come in, <laughs> walk straight up. It's like walking up to the, the front of the church, opening the lid of the coffin, and then telling the boy, hey, go ahead and get out of there. We just, we just don't, we don't see that. What do, what do you do with that? And the crazy thing is the young man gets up. The young man gets up. What do we do with that? And not only does he get up, he starts to talk back to Jesus. He starts to talk to Jesus in, in the crowds. And, and Jesus, the text says that Jesus gave him back to his mother on this day. Jesus gave him back to his mother. And Luke and chapter 7, verse 16 says this. This is how the people responded. Then fear came over everyone. Uh, no joke. Fear came over everyone. And, and fear in the scriptures can mean like fear, what we think of. It can also mean awe and wonder as it's related to responding to God. And I think it's more of awe and wonder came over everyone. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. God had visited his people. This is really the understatement of the year, right? God had visited his, yes, he has. Paul writes this in his letter to a, a church. Uh, he writes in Colossians 2, he says, for the entire fullness of God's nature, the entire fullness of God's nature, all of who God is, all of the qualities, all of the person of who God is, dwells bodily in Christ and doesn't stop there and you have been filled by him. You have been filled by him, church. The son experienced the healing touch of Jesus Christ, the world's Lord and Savior. God has visited his people. God finds us where we are. God finds us where we are. Whether we're on the mountaintop having the best of days, God knows where we are. Whether we're in the valleys, in the, in the deepest valley, in the darkest valley, God knows where we are. And he meets us where we are. And he goes to this funeral. He has compassion over this woman. He sees this grieving mother, this mother in grief and pain, and he has compassion on her. He sees a son who is, who's been taken from her. God goes to the moments of great pain and he goes to a mother to give her new joy. 
and he goes to a boy to give him new life. Where's God in this situation? God is here. God is here. God is in the midst, and he comes in the person of Jesus Christ who, who comes because of his compassion. And so when we sit in the midst of suffering, please know that God is right here in our midst with his arms wide open, taking on the position of the cross, arms wide open, saying, I'm ready, I'm here. I'm ready to embrace you. Will you embrace the life that, that I am offering for you? And at our moment of pain, Jesus offers a hand for our shoulder like he did this boy. His hand on our shoulder, I'm here for you. It feels like death. It feels like despair. It feels like everything is going wrong, and I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And God knows what we are feeling. I think God knows what we are feeling. God, God actually sits in the place of this grieving mother. You think about this. What is this mother grieving? A son, a child who has been lost to her. A son, a child who has been taken from her. And, and God sits in the position of that grieving mother. Why? Because his creation, his children, humanity has been separated from him. Humanity chose to walk away from their loving father and to walk down their own path. And so God understands. God is, is like this grieving mother. Come back. The, the doors are open. The doors are open. I want you back. I want, to, I want you to experience the family. I want you to be, be part of family together. God sits in the place of this weeping mother calling out for her son to come back to her. And Jesus Christ comes down on this earth to open the door so that that's possible. That's possible. Jesus is going to ultimately prove, prove this when he, when he walks to the cross and he's buried in the tomb and then he walks out on Sunday morning fully alive. He proves that he is our Savior. He is the Lord he is the one who has conquered death, who has conquered sin on our behalf. Tell you what, no matter what you think of Jesus or what you've heard about Jesus, anyone who can prophesy and speak to his own death and his own res resurrection and then pull it off, he's someone we need to listen to. Amen? Amen. 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 Luke has gathered a story here from interviews and testimonies and people who actually experienced Jesus before his death and experienced walking with Jesus after his death. This is the story, this is the narrative that Luke gives us. And on Easter Sunday, Jesus proves that he is the King of the kings and Lord of lords and he holds all authority over life and death. And now he has offered that same life to both you and I. He's offered that life. It's, it's there for us. God came to town and joined the funeral procession. And he decided that death would not have the final answer that day. He stretched out his hands. He met a grieving mother where she was. He touched the body of a, a dead son and brought him new life. And Jesus is, is looking at us today and saying, you know what? Do you want to enter into this new life that I have offered? Do you want to enter into this new life that I have offered. He says you can be free of the sin and the death that so easily entangles us. We don't have to live in a state of confusion or uncertainty anymore. 
We can be free to live as, as, as he's always intended us, as God has always intended us to live as God's chosen people. This is what's on the table today. This is what's on the table every day, but we, we recognize it today, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus shows us, Jesus shows us like he showed this woman and this boy, Jesus shows us that God is not far away because he comes right in and places his hand of healing right onto the problem. This is Jesus. He comes right in to where you are, places his hand of healing right on to our deepest, darkest problems. We are all headed to the same funeral as this boy, right? I don't know anybody who can say, yeah, I'm gonna just gonna skip that, right? I, I think we're all headed in that same direction. We're all moving in that direction. And Jesus says to us, this doesn't have to be the end. This doesn't have to be the final chapter. God has opened up a way for us to live with him forever. And he's asking that all we do is we follow after Jesus and his example. And so during this Easter season, we see that God visits his people. God desires to have a relationship with you. And this is, and, and you may be sitting here thinking, well, I've been in a relationship with Jesus for a long, long time, but sometimes we need to hear this fresh. Because what happens? We forget. We get unfaithful to our Lord and Savior. We, we take our eyes off of what, you know, what Jesus has offered us. And we, we put our eyes on this world and we, we get caught up in all the, the problems of the day. And you know, we, we question, we wonder, where is God in all of this? And God is saying, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here, right beside you. Would you just turn your face, turn your eyes, move back in the direction that, I, that I've set you on, that I, that I have for you, that plan that I have for you. Will you just move down that road? Quit taking that, that old dirt, dusty, dirty path down here with brambles and briars and stuff that you have to chop away because you're doing it on your own. I've got this path here that leads to life. I've got this for you. So this Easter season, we see that God visits his people and he's right here, right now, right here for us. This was accomplished because of what Jesus has done for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Will we actually walk in that, in belief? The Apostle Paul tells us about our future with Jesus. In Romans 14, he says this, For it is written, as, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will give praise to God. This is where we are headed. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that, that he is Lord. Even if we don't want to praise Jesus right now, there's going to be a time according to the scriptures, according to God's word, that, that we will praise Jesus, whether we want to or not. We will recognize him as our Lord and Savior. The thing is, is as we confess now, we accept the salvation that Jesus has provided right now, then we are assured that we will spend eternity living in God's presence, in the perfect joy and harmony that, that was originally intended for God's creation. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If we decide not to accept the salvation that comes by Jesus Christ, we can do our own thing, but we will continue to stay fully separated from God and the, the life that he has set, set up for us, set aside for us. And that's an eternal separation. And God gives us this choice. God doesn't want robots who just, do, you know, he pushes a button and they do his commands. God has created 
children to follow after him. And he's given us a choice of, and we get to decide what path we want to walk down, our own path or God's path, the path of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so today is a day of, uh, of decision for some of us. Today is a day to, to make a decision. Are we ready to follow Jesus and experience the life that he has to offer as this boy? Jesus came and touched that boy and said, hey, come on, we're not done yet. Here's new life, new life. He's come in, he's, he's given compassion to the, the grieving mother. Jesus is waiting to put his hand on you right now and give you new life. Jesus is waiting to restore you to a, a thriving relationship with God, our Father. Will we accept his hands of healing today? Are we ready for that? So we have some folks who are listening online, and so they can't be here with us this morning, and they're watching or listening online, and I want to give everyone a chance to respond to this. If you are accepting Christ today as your Savior, I want you to let us know. I actually got a number that we can send out there, a number, a phone number to text. If you're accepting Christ as your Savior, if you're receiving Christ as your Savior today, I'd love to hear from you. This number, 802-589-0259. Again, it's 802-589-0259. If you're watching online or you're listening on the radio, we want to know your name and that you have accepted Christ as your Savior so that we can celebrate in this together, celebrate with you together. If, if you have prayer requests, if you have prayer requests, prayer needs, and, and time, later on, we're going to have a little time of prayer for the family who's gathered here together. But if you have prayer needs, we want to hear from you. And you can text us your prayer needs. I'll say it again. It's 802-589-0259 because we want to walk through those difficult times with you and pray for you. Jesus told us many times what his mission was. I, I love this passage. As, as, we were, as we're looking through the Gospel of Luke, this is our study. If you want to join us in this in future Sundays, this is what we're doing is going through the Gospel of Luke. And I love this passage in Luke 4. We bring this up often. This is what Jesus came to do. Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. We need this. We need that good news. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Are you ready to be set free? And maybe you're sitting here and saying, I've, I've been with Jesus for a long time, but I need to feel that freedom. Are you ready to be set free and experience that free life that he has offered us? Are you ready to experience the good news of new life that Jesus has to offer? Are you ready to have the Lord proclaim his favor over you? He says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is who our Savior is. This is what our Savior has done for us. His name is Jesus Christ. Now is the time to experience new life. Now is the time to experience the new life that He has to offer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. It reminds us of the new life that Jesus has offered us. Right here, it's sitting right in front of us. Today is a reminder of that. Jesus walks into this funeral. He changed the trajectory of this grieving mother's life. 
He brought his son back who was caught in the midst of death and gave him new life, and he can do the same for you. Today is the day for us to experience new life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You didn't ask us to work hard to try to, to earn the salvation that, uh, that you have brought to us. Lord, you came here and you said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to offer it freely. No strings attached. You just need to follow me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to have true life, just follow me, Jesus says. We thank you for that gift. We thank you for the power that you, you display to, to walk to the cross to a, to a, a horrible death and then the power that you displayed to walk out of that tomb three days later. Lord, we are, we are amazed. We come in awe of what you have offered to us. I pray, Lord, that there would be some who would, for the first time, or they're recognizing, Lord, their need for a Savior. Lord, pray that they would cry out to you this morning. Proclaim the name of Jesus. All we have to do is proclaim the name of Jesus as our Lord and King and say, Lord, I know that I have sinned. I know that you came to forgive my sins, and I thank you for that. Lord, I want to follow you. I pray that is our heart's desire this morning. We come in Jesus' powerful and wonderful name. Amen. Well, let's praise the Lord this morning.